Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting live 
Gentlemen, welcome to the Rifleman Radio Show. The Rifleman Radio Show strives you to bring the absolute best information possible on rifle marksmanship, rifle safety, American heritage, American history, and the sacred obligation each American has to safeguard the freedoms and liberties that living in this nation provides for us. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in tonight. We're going to be talking mostly tonight about... <clears throat> The uh, upcoming April uh, 19th, 1775 celebration events that are the the signature event for the Appleseed Project. The Appleseed Project is a nationwide, all-volunteer, uh, not-for-profit organization dedicated to teaching the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the nation. The absolute best. For more information... You can go to uh, AppleseedInfo.org or RWVA.org and uh, jump in right there on the homepage. If you want uh, to find out where events are happening uh, in this next, this upcoming uh, April 19th, then you can uh, take a look at the the top of the uh, top of the page there. They've got some hot links, and on the hot links, you can look at the uh, uh, the top left of the page where it says Appleseed. <clears throat> if you put your cursor on the Appleseed tab, you'll get a drop-down menu. On the drop-down menu, select Schedule. When you click on the Schedule, it'll take you to a map of the United States. Now, the map of the United States, you can either put your cursor on the the state where you wish to attend an event, uh, or there's a uh, hot link embedded in the text there. Well, I'm just checking it again. I see that there's not a hot link embedded in the text anymore. Uh, there's a pricing chart there now, but there's no, there's no 
going in this direction, the one that I just went in, there's no way to see all of the events at once anymore, I guess. All right, but uh, take a look at the the state, and then of course, if you're in a uh, in a smaller state, or uh, if you're living on near the border with another state, be sure and check the uh, the adjoining states schedule events also, because they may have one that is right across the border from you. They may even be closer than one in your own state. And uh, at Appleseed, we have no qualms about uh, border jumping to go to events. The events are going to be held on the April 20th, 21st weekend. Uh, that's as close as we get, could get to April 19th. And uh, all across the nation on this weekend, on the April 20th, 21st weekend, there will be events uh, held all across the nation, from coast to coast and border to border. And uh, there will be a lot of different things going on. Uh, one of the main things that that I'm always excited about during the April 19th weekend events is the the coast-to-coast volley. And uh, that is where there is a simultaneous volley. You know, we've got it uh, set up so that it occurs simultaneously across the nation. Everybody does it uh, at a different time according to their time zone, but everybody does it at a different time. And uh, they fire a remembrance volley for each of the... Uh, each of the dead who fell at Lexington. And I think it's very important that we remember our history and we honor those who came before us. We honor the folks who who sacrificed their their time, their their fortunes, their freedom and and in many cases even their lives so that we may have what we have today. Uh, this this it was not this isn't a free ride uh a lot of people think of it that way, a lot of people ride it that way, they ride it like a free ride, but it's not a free ride. A lot of people died so that we could have the nation that we have today, and without a doubt, a lot more people uh in the future are going to die so that we have the nation that we have today now that's not some <laughs> some dark oblique reference to a future revolution. I'm just saying that freedom is not free, that that would that it were, would that uh, we could have uh, some kind of end to oppression, some kind of end to to the dark force that presses against freedom. Uh, but I don't see one coming. That means that that there will always be there will always be something evil on the other side of the door from freedom. Something evil on the other side of the door from liberty pressing back. And and it's probably always, from now until infinity, uh, into infinity, not un- until infinity, but into infinity, that, uh, that folks are going to end up losing their lives in order to safeguard it. We're not asking you to lay down your life for freedom, all right? That's something I want to make uh, very clear right from the get-go here. We're not asking you to lay down your life for freedom. That was already done uh, by a great many folks before you. What we're asking you to do is realize that freedom is not free. Realize that, that each and every one of us have 
a part to play in maintaining this freedom, and whether that is uh, whether that is being part uh, of your community and working with your community, or working with your state, or being a uh, being a politician, or being a city councilman, whatever. Whatever it is, there's got to be somewhere that you've got to plug yourself in and, in essence, be a force for good. At Appleseed, uh, we try and do that by, first off, first off, we're getting folks out of their house to do something. We're getting folks out to do something. And what we're asking them to do is to come to an event and to, maybe they don't even know that they're doing it, but to set themselves a goal of improving their rifle marksmanship. And then while while they're attending the event, improving their rifle marksmanship, we're asking them to to listen to us tell them about those who have come before. And we want to tell them the story of the folks who began this nation, a little bit about what their vision was for the nation. And we want to honor those people. And how do you honor someone? How do you how do you honor somebody? And the answer is that you remember them. You remember them. You remember their deeds. You remember their name. You remember their deeds. Uh, you honor with them with that remembrance. And that's what we're going to do at Appleseed Rock Marketship Weekend. We're going to honor the men and women who stood together in ranks on April 19th, 1775 to begin an eight-year-long uh, a bloody war, uh, a very horrible war. And in terms of the number of folks it killed, it still stands as uh, the bloodiest war in our nation. Uh in, in terms of percentage-wise, now certainly we've had we've just had some wondrously bloody wars since then. We've had the uh, the American Civil War. We've had World Wars One, World War Two, uh, Vietnam, Korea, the, the Middle East, and I doubt that it's ever going to end. But in terms of the percentage of folks who were in combat and killed, the the American Revolutionary War still stands as as the the bloodiest in our history. And we don't want the sacrifices that that those patriots made to be forgotten. We want to remember them. And that's what we're going to do. All right? When you come to uh, an Appleseed Life and Marketship Weekend, we're going to remember the the folks' names. We're going to tell you what they did. And uh, we're going to tell you why they did it. And we're going to talk to you about the things that you can do to ensure that the freedoms, kind of the liberties that they fought and sacrificed uh, for, that those freedoms and liberties uh, are not eroded and that they continue to be safeguarded. Uh, 
if you'd like to call in to uh, make comments, ask questions about the show while we're going today, uh, we welcome you doing so. The call-in number is 347-308-8790. And what we'd like to talk about, now, obviously you can talk about anything you want. You can call in, and as long as you're not uh, acting crazy or you're going on on some kind of a confusing circular drive or argument, then we'll be glad to hear your uh, your questions or comments. But we'd like for you to use this time to call in to thank your local crews for the work that they're doing because uh, nobody nobody ever sees the, the whole picture. Uh, or, or rather, let me put it another way. A lot of people do see the whole picture. They see a picture of Appleseed in America. But they don't see the littler pictures, and that is the folks that are uh, that are on the ground doing the jobs. However, uh, you, the individuals out there, do see your local crews. And uh, you are the folks that need to call in and tell your local crews thanks. Because you see the, the folks that show up every weekend. Uh, that you hold events. You see the the people that are doing a great job seven-stepping, uh, and you are the perfect person to call in and tell them thanks. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that those folks would like to hear it from your mouth more than any others. So we invite you to call in, 347-308-8790. Now, the other thing we'd like folks to call in about tonight is if you have an event that you're running on April uh, 20th, 21st weekend, and you want to tell us some of the stuff that you're doing for that weekend, then we'd like to hear it. Maybe there's still time for other people to steal some of your ideas and do the same thing. Uh, and then if there is something that you need help on, that you, you're uh, running one of the local crews and you're saying, well, I'm, we're short on instructors, then give us a call in and let us... Uh, let us put out a call to see if we can't uh, round you up some additional instructors. And uh, if there is some other thing you're short of, maybe you're short of some gear and uh, you don't know who to ask and you're not sure there's going to be time to get it to you or something, maybe there's somebody that nearby that has some that could uh, uh, could run it over to you or something like that. Now, we'll, we still have one more show between now and the... Uh, 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 actually, we have two shows between now and the uh, April 20th, 21st weekend. <clears throat> but uh, don't wait until the last show to ask for some help or for some gear. If you know you need something, go ahead and ask for it now. If you need some folks, we need some of the gear or something, go ahead and ask for it now. Let's make sure that, uh, that any requests for that get made now. Uh We've got uh, we've got folks that are going to be calling in in just a little while. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, we're going to be talking to you about the upcoming April 2021st weekend. But before they do so, I just want to uh, I want to remind you guys kind of how this started out. I want to I want to read you some of the the letters from the folks that were there, all right? Who better to hear this from than the folks that were there? The folks that were there 
that's coming directly out of the horse's mouth. You know, every once in a while I'll read to you guys from a book called The Spirit of 76. And this is uh, this was edited by Steele and Comager, and it's a uh, uh, and Richard Morris, and it's out on Castle Books. <clears throat> and one of the reasons I like this book so much, uh, you can go to you can get a lot of different history books, and you can get some better history books if you're looking for uh, some type of a an overview of a battle or. Uh, or other aspects of the American Revolutionary War. But if you want to hear, if you want to hear where they got it from, then a good place is this book because this book, uh, almost all of the the quotes and stuff, the information that's in the other books, even in uh, uh, Doctor David Hackett Fish's book, come out of this book. The information does because this is a direct reprint of the the letters and the documents that were created and generated at that time. And uh, so that's one of the reasons I really like it. Now, it's uh, as I told you before, it's not always completely accurate in hindsight, right? Because when I read you a letter out of this, it's, uh, you know, it's it's taken out of, out of real time at the time it was written, not not a month later after the battle or 235 years later after the war. Uh, it's taken out of real time then. So they may not be correct in some of the things, some of their uh, estimations or things that they surmise, but but it is what they were thinking, seeing, hearing at that exact time. That's one of the reasons I really enjoy it. Uh, one of the first things I want to read to you right now, this is the... The Declaration and Resolves of the First Congress. Now, the First Congress uh, got together. Uh, let's see here. The First Congress had got together and was working in uh, October of 1774. If you remember, they had the and then we're going to go back, or I'm going to go in line back to this in just a minute, but the first Congress, uh, by October 14th, 1774, drafted out a set of resolves. And in, well, let me just read it to you, okay? This is the Declaration of Resolves of the first Congress, drafted in, uh, drafted the week before and now presented here on October 14th, 1774 that the inhabitants of the English colonies in North America, by the immutable laws of nature, principles of the English Constitution, and the several charters or compact, have the following rights. Resolved, that they are entitled to life, liberty, and property, and they have never ceded to any sovereign power whatever a right to dispose of either without their consent. Two, that our ancestors who first settled these colonies were, at the time of their immigration from the mother country, entitled to all rights, liberties, and immunities of free and natural-born subjects within the realm of England. Three, that by such immigration, they by no means forfeited, surrendered, or lost any of those rights 
but that they were, and their descendants now, are entitled to the exercise and enjoyment of all such of them as their local and other circumstances enable them to exercise and enjoy. Four, that the foundations of English liberty and of all free government is a right in the people to participate in their legislative council. And as the English colonists are not represented and from their local and other circumstances cannot be properly be represented in the British Parliament, that they are entitled to a free and exclusive power of legislation in their several provincial legislatures, where their right of representation can alone be preserved. In all cases of taxation and internal policy, subject only to the negative of their sovereign, in such manner has been heretofore used and accustomed. But from the necessity of the case and in regard to the mutual interest of both countries, we cheerfully consent to the operation of such acts of the British Parliament as are bona fide restrained to the regulation of our external commerce for the purpose of securing the commercial advantages of the whole empire to the mother country and the commercial benefits of its respective members, excluding every idea of and the commercial benefits of taxation, internal or external, for raising a revenue on the subjects in America without their consent. Five, that the respective colonies are entitled to the common laws of England, and more especially to the great and inestimable privilege of being tried by their peers of their vicinage according to the course of that law, that they are entitled to the benefit of such of the English statutes as existed at the time of their colonization and which they have by experience respectively found to be applicable to their several local and other circumstances. Seven, that these his Majesty's colonies are likewise entitled to all the immunities and privileges granted and confined to them by royal charters or secured by their several codes of provincial laws. Eight, that they have a right peaceably to assemble, consider of their grievances, and petition the king, and that all prosecutions prohibitory proclamations and commitments for this same are illegal. Nine, that the keeping of a standing army in these colonies in times of peace without the consent of the legislature of that colony in which such army is kept is against law. Ten, it is indispensably necessary to good government and rendered essential by the English Constitution, that the constituent branches of the legislature be independent of each other, that, therefore, the exercise of legislative power in several colonies by a council appointed during pleasure by the Crown is unconstitutional, dangerous, and destructive to the freedom of American legislation. October 14, 1774. Does that sound familiar to you? Because that uh, that is 
little bit later, uh, a lot of that, the sound a little bit later, a little bit later in 1776. <clears throat> now, let me back up a little bit and and tell you about this. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to give you the uh, and let me remind remind you too that just because I'm uh, just because I'm giving the information here doesn't mean that that you can't call in and uh, ask a question or to give your local crew thanks or anything else. You can't. I'll keep watch on the switchboard. But if I don't, uh, Sam D will tell me to keep watch on it, and uh, he'll let me know. All right. So make sure that. Uh, if you'd like to call in, that you call in at three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. All right, and we'd like to hear from you guys. We want to hear from you with about your, uh, you know, thanking your local crew and about uh, the things that you're going to be doing for your upcoming. Uh, April 20th, 21st weekend event, and then if there's anything you need, all right? Now, when we are at an, an Appleseed event and we're talking about the about the, the start of the conflict, now, no, no conflict begins... Uh, spontaneously or without it, it can begin spontaneously but there's there there is really uh there has to be a lot leading up to it and and when i say if we say that a conflict begins that it doesn't begin spontaneously we don't mean that uh that in a way of saying that uh, somebody didn't jump up and yell revolution and somebody else said hey great idea yeah revolution and then uh, and then very rapid fire turn into one. That's not what I'm talking about. It sure certainly can happen. Something can happen like that. What I'm saying is is that the conditions which would allow for a spontaneous uh, uh, statements for revolution, they have to be there beforehand. All right? That means that things have to have happened to have brought this, to have brought this situation into place. And certainly, uh, on the American continent, things things were happening that were causing this. Now, now certainly, in one sense, if that was true that nobody in 1775 wanted a war, uh, because wars uh, wars are dangerous, dirty, ugly things. Uh, they're expensive. They uh, they can they can go sideways and go places you didn't expect them to go. Uh, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong in a war. You can lose the war. Uh, so so very seldom do people want war. Yet uh, in another sense. It's it's probably just as certain that the American colonists and 
and the British uh, were were headed exactly for that. They were headed straight toward a, a conflict, straight toward a shooting war. Uh, there's really there was really no other way that things were going to get much that uh, unless things changed, things were going to get better. The quarrel between the colonists uh, and the mother country, or or between the more uh, intransigent elements of each of them, because there, this wasn't everybody in England saying they wanted a war with the colonists, who were all 100% saying they wanted a war with uh, with England. There was there were a lot of different folks in both. There were a lot of folks that saying they were clamoring for war on both sides, and a lot of folks that were saying nay, nay on both sides. But but the fact that there were very vocal uh, very vocal uh, arguments. Uh, on both sides of the ocean that were pressing for war uh, made this made this a uh, a situation where patience uh, was worn thin on both sides. There were there were folks who uh, who in their their minds it was already a done deal and. They were just waiting for the first shot, and it had been going on and dragging on for so long that uh, that that some type of explosion, some type of a confrontation, was uh, virtually inevitable. Uh, all the summer and fall of 1774, and then into the winter of that same year. The British regulars had been occupying Boston, and they had been uh, leaving out in expeditionary-type groups uh, from time to time, flexing their muscles, showing their strength, but mostly wondering, in their minds, wondering whether they were an occupying army or if they were a besieged garrison, because... Because it it was pretty much both ways, right? Uh, the forces uh, in North America at that time were very small. Uh, England, all across the world, had uh, a bit less than I believe than than twenty thousand with the twenty thousand uh, combat soldiers, and. Uh, the the number in the Americas at the time were was very small, and in uh, Boston there were uh, I believe close to four thousand troops, and the the, uh, the colonists greatly outnumbered them. So so the the British regular troops were. They were at the time kind of wondering on both sides: Are we an occupying army, or are we a besieged garrison? Because they would foray out, foray uh, 
they would go in forays out of Boston, but then they would quickly return to Boston too uh, in order to be safe there. Uh, During the months of 1774, the Patriots in New England were training and drilling nonstop. You know, they had uh, they had called up the militias. They were training them. They were recruiting new members. They were making plans on what to do and when to do it uh, if there was a type, some type of confrontation with England. Uh, the, the different groups that were gathering and meeting in the different colonies were voicing their sympathy for the Bostonians and their contempt for the British. And they carried on a, a ceaseless propaganda which cast the, the Bostonians in the roles of martyrs and the British in the roles of the tyrants and the uh, repressive government. Now, and this was was chiefly because of the Intolerable Acts. Now, the Intolerable Acts were directed mainly against the uh, the residents of Boston. And although it did have effect, uh, have effects all across the colony, it was mainly directed at the residents of Boston. But because the the uh, the British were not clever enough to localize the conflict and say, look, uh, we're not mad at everybody, okay? We're just mad at the folks of Boston, and here's why. Everybody else is still in good standing. Everything's going, you know, everything's fine. We're just mad at this group right here. Instead of doing that, they they put this on everybody's head. And because they did, it caused all of the colonies to unite. Uh not only that, but England made it clear that they had no solution for this for the problems in Boston other than force. They weren't uh, they weren't preaching anything else other than force. And force is usually met with force. <clears throat> All right. Uh, the uh, the moderates on both sides actually oppose this, uh, oppose the uh, the coming conflict, but. Uh, under its terms, the Continental Congress, I'm going to read this here to you, under the Continental Congress itself, an extra legal body, authorized the creation of committees of safety to enforce the non-importation and non-consumption agreements. And these were speedily set up in most of the colonies. Moderates opposed them with some success uh, in New York and Philadelphia. Now, what this was was the colonies were, were agreeing and saying, "Look, we're not going to we're not going to buy anything or use anything from England." 
And uh, let's see, they also, the organization, uh, every colony but Georgia uh, had acceded to the Continental Congress. They were dedicated to the non-intercourse with the mother country, uh, as well as a discontinuance of the slave trade. All right. Uh, All right. So here we have the two groups of people. We have the the mother country, England, and the colonists. And they and neither one uh is pledging to move on this, especially the intransigence of England, uh made it very hard for anything else to move forward because uh King the King had written to Lord North about this. Now they were as I said, there were moderates on both sides that wanted to bring things back down. But uh, the king had written to Lord North, and this is in a letter to the Queen's House, November 18, 1774. I'm sorry that the line of conduct seems now chalked out, which the enclosed dispatches thoroughly justify. The New England governments are in a state of rebellion. Blows must decide whether they are to be subject to this country or independent. And that was a thinking among uh, among the folks who were towing the king's line. And that's it. Blows would decide. They were not going to allow any type of uh, uh, any type of rebellion, whether it was actual rebellion in arms or rebellion in thought or act. Then we have, in a letter in the House of Commons, we have the Earl of Sandwich saying, uh, I'm not sure who he's replying to here, but he's, he's replying back. He says, the noble lord mentions the impracticability of conquering America. I cannot think the noble lord can be serious on this matter. Suppose the colonies do abound in men. What does that signify? They are raw, undisciplined, cowardly men. I wish instead of 40 or 50,000 of these brave fellows, they would produce in the field at least 200,000. The more, the better, the easier would be the conquest. If they did not run away, they would starve themselves into compliance with our measures. Are these the men to fright us from the post of honor? Believe me, my lords, the very sound of a cannon would carry them off as fast as their feet could carry them. This is too trifling a part of the argument to detain your lordships any longer. All right. Uh, that, That was the plot of, of one portion of the the process there, and that is that uh, that this was going to be a very quick thing. 
that Blows would have to decide this contest. There wouldn't be any talking. There wouldn't be any compromises made. They were going to have to come to Blows. This is uh, the thoughts of the king. And then the thoughts of some of the followers is that uh, this would go very quickly, that they could basically just kind of uh, slap the faces of the colonists until they bowed back down. <clears throat> okay, we've got... Uh, we got somebody calling in. I'm going to go ahead and put them on real quick before I continue on. Uh, okay, John, welcome to the show. Uh, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned... Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're on. I'm glad that you were talking about how our founders didn't want a standing army, and we were modeled after... They wanted to model us after Switzerland, basically, didn't they? I mean... People have basically militias, right? And well, the thought was at the time. The thought was, and of course, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to try and say that that the 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 needs or requirements right now are, are are the same as they were back then. But certainly, the time the the thoughts back then were that there is no need for a standing army. What would you need a standing army for? Because uh, you know, you don't you. You just have the you don't have a, a constant threat. There were threats right. of uh, of Indians, and certainly there was a a constant threat uh, at some level uh, from other uh, nations that were encroaching on the colonists and on the territories, such as the French and stuff like that. But there was no need to have a standing army. You know, the folks were were expected to to go and work at their jobs, but at the same time to require uh, to for them to a uh, requirement for them to serve as a soldier in waiting. And that would be that if the need arose, then your, it wouldn't be, at the time, it wasn't your country needed you. It would be your community needed you. If the need arose, your community would call you in, uh, call you to action to defend it. And that was basically the way it was going to run uh, at that time. Precisely. They understood that standing armies always caused problems. That was their, uh, that's, that was the philosophy. They understood history. They knew that if you had a standing army, that it would be used against the people, ultimately. That's the history. That's what happens. You know, governments always become tyrannical once they get out of their chains, basically. That's what our founders knew when they were writing the Constitution. So there's a really excellent book that I would recommend to all Appleseed Riflemen. It's uh, Target Switzerland. I think you probably read it. I don't know if you read that by uh, Stephen Holbrook. Are you probably at least Target aware Switzerland? of it? No, no, I haven't read that yet. It's a great book, Target Switzerland, and it explains how the Swiss set up their system against the Germans and why they weren't invaded during World War II, even though they were surrounded by Italy, Germany, occupied France, you know, what have you. Um, well, the Swiss have, have, it, they have, they have a, terrain, a unique situation. Also, yeah. You know, with their, the way where their country set, uh, uh, geographically, was uh, was very unique. Uh, and um, then they made it very clear to... Uh, to any of the the forces who might invade, what they would do uh, if those countries uh, you know attempted to invade, you know Switzerland is there is not 
really easily accessible, and they're going to uh, blow all of the all of the tunnels, all the passes, all the bridges, and then it would just be uh, it would be a it'd be a hard fight after that. And then, of course, the the country of Switzerland was also left open in order for uh, conduit of money and information uh, to continue to flow, you know, very quickly through that country, through Switzerland, and then into uh, into the the Allies and into the the Axis powers. Right. They maintain strict neutrality. Right. I think that they. It seems like it's. A, it, it seems like an easy thing, but with at the time that the colonists uh, that they wanted their they wanted their army to be a citizen so, uh, soldier army. They wanted them to be uh, an army when needed, and uh, and then and they would hold regular trainings. The rest of the time, they didn't feel that there was a need for an army. But also, you know, at the time, they were separated from from any other type of conflict by a large body of water or by the fact that everybody uh, had to move on foot. So, you know, even if, there, even if they would have put uh, 10,000 troops ashore in Georgia, you still would have had a, a couple of months to to train forces uh, in New England by the time they got there. And uh, our our situation today is, uh, is a lot more perilous. So I I understand what you're saying uh, that uh, that a standing army is like a dog on a leash, a mean dog on a leash, and and whoever controls the dog uh, is going to control who the dog bites, and Amen. and that's not uh, that's not always so good because dogs uh, throughout history are well documented on biting their owners and everybody else around them. So having a standing army is uh, is a very dangerous thing. It's a very it's a double edged sword. But Amen. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know any good any good solutions to it other than doing the things uh, like what Appleseed is doing. And that's making sure that all of our citizens understand the purpose behind uh, being a citizen of this nation, that, uh, that understand what their duties are and who their duties are to. Their duties are not to a person. Uh, their duties are not to a nation. Their duties are to a constitution and to the people of this nation. So, if we can continue, if we can continue to educate uh, the folks of the nation, then we'll be in good shape. Uh, and, it's, and mainly, it's just uh, I, I see it like a race between what we're trying to do and and what the what future. They are trying to do, <laughs> yeah, well, what the future could be. To be bringing to us, you know, at uh, at light speed. You well, know, are you part think, of the uh, the apple seed? Are are you part of apple seed? Are you an instructor? No, no, I 
I'm a rifleman, but I'm not an instructor. No. I uh, I think that what everybody should do, and I'm in, I mean this in all seriousness, and it sounds corny, but is to read the Declaration of Independence. That's what an American is, you know. That's defines an American, you know. In Thomas Paine's Common Sense, what have you, all that's that's really good reading too, and that's basically it warns us about government, and that's the greatest evil we face. So we have to keep government to an absolute minimum. And it's gotten out of its cage, obviously. So, but another good book to read is the book you have uh, is uh, the Appleseed book, uh, Paul Revere's Ride. That's a great book. It's another great book for everyone to read. Yeah, absolutely. And while I'm, I don't want to stay on real long, but there's one other thing I want to say, and that is that uh, there's a really great rifleman song out there, too. And I think you should play it on air someday, and it's called uh, Liberty by Jordan Page, the acoustic version. It's kind of an MTV version. He's got whatever. But go on YouTube and check that out. It's called Liberty by Jordan Page. It's a great song, and I think you'll all, any everybody will really enjoy that song who enjoys freedom. Well, that sounds great. Uh, you say it's by Jordan Page? Jordan, yeah, J-O-R-D-A-N, Page, like Jimmy Page, but the first name is Jordan. Okay, all right, well, I'll make a note to uh, to take a listen to that. I don't know about playing it on the air until I... Uh, no, you think, you, that's your judgment. You know, I just think it's a good song with good lyrics and uh, it's got some good music. So, Well, I'm just saying that... Uh, with all of the all of the legal complications and stuff nowadays, oh. uh, <laughs> you know, be careful what you do because uh, he would he would love it if you did it. I think he's a he's a real patriot, and you should probably get him involved in Appleseed. I think he should, he'd probably sing a song for you. Well, he's that's a, what I'll do. He's a patriot, and you should get a hold of him. Talk, try to get a hold of him. All right. Well, uh, anyway. Are you going to be shooting at uh, the April uh, 2021st uh, event somewhere? I may I may be shooting in Sacramento. I haven't signed up yet, but I may. I just yeah, went out California. just coming back from the range as we speak, so I just got my battle sight zero in on my rifle, so two of my rifles. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, and then remember, too, that uh, Appleseed is not the only answer, and it's not the answer for everything, but it is one way that folks can get involved. It's uh, it's one easy way that folks can can help spread the message and can help start doing something uh, about improving our nation. And uh, yeah, it's about educating yourself sure that, first, and then educating others. It's hearts and minds. Right. Right, exactly. So make sure that you're uh, make sure you're dragging some of your your neighbors and uh, coworkers and stuff with you to some of these events. You don't want to be the only uh, rifleman on the block, right? That's right. That's right. I will. <laughs> I do attempt to do that. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to get, no. John? Oh, sorry. Right, I appreciate you. I appreciate you calling in, and uh, don't be a stranger. Call in any time that. Uh, Anytime you got something to say, listen, why don't you, uh, uh, if you're familiar at all with Appleseed, uh, then you're probably familiar with the, the Appleseed policy of uh, when somebody brings up an idea or a suggestion, then they immediately get put in charge of uh, of carrying out that, that idea or a suggestion. 
why don't you do me a favor and contact uh, Mr. Page and see if he wants to uh, uh, allow us to uh, use the the music uh, or play it on air. I will. I will do that. I'll, I'll take that. Okay. Up. Yes. Okay. Excellent. And then let me know what he says because uh, we'll be glad to give it to Maritime if uh, if he doesn't mind us playing. Sure. He'd love. I'm sure. I absolutely positive he would love it if you played it. But um, I will. I will take up that task. All Absolutely. right. Anything else you want to say or any thanks you nope. want to give out to any of the local crews there? Whenever you go to an event, who's teaching? I haven't been to an Appleseed in a couple of years, but uh, I I uh, do actively recruit people, and I I think I'll go to the April 20th one in Sacramento, I think. I'm planning oh, on it. The, do you remember who the shoot boss was when you went last time? You know, I think it's... I think it's changed. Uh, there was a guy in training. I don't remember their names. Jeez. He was his, it was his first red hat. He was, it was his first uh, shoot as a red hat. Uh, right off the top of my head, I can't remember his name. Okay. What about uh, Bob 210? Does that sound familiar? No, his name wasn't Bob. It was um, shoots. Uh, he was a Navy vet. I remember that. <laughs> No, I can't remember his name. <laughs> All right. Well, John, thank you very much. Uh, and listen, uh, is, is this the first time you listen to the radio show? No, I've called in before. Okay. All right. I listen to Well, like I said, you're welcome to call in anytime, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Hope you make it to the uh, April 2021st 20, weekend and that uh, you drag somebody with you so that uh, when you get when you walk out your front door or your yard, and you yell out, "Rifleman!" That uh, somebody in one of the houses to your left, your wa- uh, left or right, walks out of the yard, their yard, and says, "I'm right here." All right. Well, I live in San Francisco. That'll be a little tough, but uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> okay. Take care, brother. Thanks for calling right, in. Take care. Goodbye. Uh, bye-bye. Well, that's what we need. Is we need. Uh, we need to. We need the folks to be that close. We need a, our brother and sister riflemen to be right there on the block with us, uh, so that we can uh, we can be uh, at least within uh, a rifleman's quarter mile of each other. Right. And that way, you can watch their back, and they can watch yours, and uh, and you can help each other do things. Whenever you're one person trying to do something, uh, it can get awfully hard to do when you're just one person doing it. Uh, When you have somebody else that can give you a hand, then it gets a little bit easier. So if you can grab somebody... uh, If you can grab somebody to give you a hand with it... And that's what you should be doing. You should be trying to uh, to get your uh, brother and sisters, cousins, uncles, mothers, fathers, your doctors, your lawyers, your milkman, making sure that they all know that they have a part to play in this. All right. Uh, We have the story of Colonel Wesley. Now, as I said earlier, this is there were a lot of things that happened 
to bring about the actual the beginning of the actual American Revolutionary War. <clears throat> and one of the things that that caused the actual outbreak of it. Now, I'm not talking about uh, uh, I'm not talking about the philosophy of uh, of England towards the, col- the colonies. I'm talking about the actual physical things that happened that caused the uh, the American Revolutionary War to actually begin its first shots in violence and in, in anger. And uh, one of them was the the idea that to take the take the the firearms, the gunpowder, to take the to take away the firearms from the colonists was the best way to make them shut up and behave. You could take the guns from the colonists, and they could make them shut up and do as they were told. Does that sound familiar? Well, they had sent out a uh, a couple of raids uh, prior to Lexington, and uh, the very first uh, powder raid was a success. They showed up. They gathered up all of the powder, which the colonists believed belonged to them, and England believed belonged to the king. They showed up and they took the powder, they loaded it up and took it back to Boston, and the colonists were incensed. They almost started a shooting more then and there. Now, there were a couple of other raids. Now, the story I'm going to see right now uh, occurred in February of 1775, and this, is, this was when Colonel Leslie uh, was sent to Salem to confiscate the guns and the provisions that were that had that Gage, General Gage had been told were stored in Salem. He was supposed to go out there and he was supposed to confiscate them and bring them back to Boston. This was supposed to be another way that the that Gage and England were going to show that their authority was supreme. They were going to go out and confiscate the guns and the provisions and basically tell the colonists to shut up and uh and it didn't turn out as it had been planned. Now, it almost came to a shooting war. It didn't come to a shooting war, but it almost came to one. Uh, but instead of it turning into a shooting war, it actually ended up as as almost like like a Monty Python uh, story. The even though Gage had never expressed himself uh, contemptuously for the colonists, uh, he did actually develop a contemptuous tone and uh, and actually a contemptuous attitude for the colonists. And uh, he he said, let me quote you now, there will be Lions, whilst we are lambs, but if we take the resolute part, they will undoubtedly prove very meek. And uh, and trying out his theory, uh, on February 26th, he ordered Colonel Leslie uh, to Salem to seize the provisions and powder that were stored there. And then, just like in any 
in any village or town, there's there's not a whole lot of secret. There's not everybody knows everything that's going on, right? It's the same way in every small town. Everybody knows what's going on in everybody else's business. And in Salem, the same as it was in Concord, uh, a lot of the folks knew that they were storing uh, arms and provisions uh, toward the idea that there may indeed be conflict. And this was reported back to Gage when he asked Colonel Leslie to... Uh, to go to Salem and confiscate these goods. Now, on the morning of the 26th of February, uh, Colonel Leslie uh, loaded up 240 men and uh, landed at Marblehead. And then after he landed there, he marched overland to Salem. And... uh, (laughs) And uh, this is going to be the story that I'm going to read you is about is about what happened. Where not only was he uh, did he not confiscate the gear, but uh, he was actually denied passage over the drawbridge by the by the actually by the by the unterrified people of uh, Salem. Uh, now this is William Gavitt's account that I'm going to read to you. Like I said, this is this, this is what you're hearing now is not some historian's uh, account of of what he has read that happened. This is from the guy that was there. That's one of the reasons that I like these these letters. On Sunday, 26 February 1775, my father came home from church rather sooner than usual, which attracted my notice, and said to my mother, "The regulars are coming." and they are marching as fast as they can toward the Northfields Bridge. Looking towards her with a very solemn face, he remarked, I don't know what will be the consequence, but something very serious, and I wish you to keep the children home. I looked out of the window just at this time and saw troops passing the house. Obviously, these are the troops that were marching to Salem. My father then stepped out and stood at the foot of the yard looking into the street. While there, our minister, Mr. Bernard, came along and took my father by the arm, and they walked down towards the bridge beside the troops. My father was very intimate with Mr. Bernard, but was not a deacon of his church. Colonel David Mason had received the tidings of the approach of the British troops and ran into the North Church, which was contiguous to his dwelling. During the service in the afternoon, he cried out at the top of his voice, The regulars are coming! They're coming after the guns, and they're now near Maloon's Mills. One David Boyce, a Quaker who lived near the church, was instantly out with his team to assist in carrying the guns out of the reach of the troops. And they were conveyed to the neighborhood of what was then called Buffum's Hill, to the northwest of the road leading to Danvers. All right, so you see what's happening. The guy came in ahead of the troops that were marching there, and he said, hey, they're coming, they're coming to get this stuff. These guys jumped up, they ran over, they hooked, they started loading up the gear and hooking it up, and they, they took it to a completely different neighborhood. My father looked in between the platoons to see if he could recognize any of the soldiers who had been stationed at Fort William on the neck, many of whom were known to him, but he could discover, discover no familiar faces. was black-guarded by the soldiers for his inquisitiveness, 
who asked him with oaths what he was looking after. All right? You understand what that means? They asked him with oaths, not do you solemnly swear what you're looking after, but what the bloody H are you looking at? The northern leaf of the draw was hoisted when the troops approached the bridge, which prevented them from going any further. When they got to the when they got to the draw in town, and the draw is like uh, it's it's not a creek, it's and it's not a river. It's it's where where the water from the bay or or the uh, an inlet will come up into land. You know, it'll come up kind of like a river. You know, the, there was a bridge over the draw. There was a draw bridge, which uh, which just happened to be a coincidence, and. Uh, it was pulled up as they approached. So now, here's this column of troops. They want to go across the bridge uh, to within sight of where they wanted to go to search for the uh, for the, the guns and powder and stuff like that. But they couldn't because the townspeople had pulled up the part of the bridge they needed to cross. <clears throat> Their commander, Colonel Leslie, then remarked to Captain John Felt, uh, or, or within his hearing, that he should be obliged to fire upon the people on the northern side of the bridge if they did not lower the leaf. Captain Felt told him that if, it did, if the troops did fire, they would all be dead men, or words to that effect. It was understood afterwards that if the troops fired upon the people, felt intended to grapple with Colonel Leslie and jump into the river. For, said he, I would be willing to be drowned myself to be the death of one Englishman. The the people soon began scuttling two gondolas, which lay on the western side of the bridge, and the troops also got into them to prevent it. And when I say gondoling, they're they're scuttling the two gondolas. There's... The, the draw wasn't a a wide river. It was it wasn't very. It was fairly narrow. They could have fairly they could have gotten across fairly easily with these two gondolas, uh, which are it's a type of boat. But the folks who were there went over there and started knocking holes in the bottom of the boats and tearing the boats up so they couldn't use them. Well, the troops ran over there to stop them uh, with bayonets leveled. And one Joseph Witcher, the foreman in, the, in Colonel Sprague's distillery, which was at work scuttling the colonel's gondola, and the soldiers ordered him to desist and threatened to stab him with their bayonets if he did not. Whereupon he opened his breast and dared them to strike. They pricked his breast so as to draw blood. It was a very cold day and the soldiers were without any overcoats and shivered excessively and showed signs of being cold. Many of the inhabitants climbed upon the leaf of the draw and blackguarded the troops. Among them was a man who cried out as loud as possible, Soldiers, red jackets, lobster coats, cowards, damnation to your government. The inhabitants rebuked him for it and requested Nothing should be done to irritate the troops. You understand what that is? He, that means the rest of the folks who were, who were there with him, they uh, 
they rebuked him. That is, they just they told him to be quiet. They said, "Stop, uh, stop aggravating the troops. Stop, stop irritating the situation." Colonel Leslie now spoke to Mr. Bernard, probably uh, observing, probably observing by his canonical dress that he was a clergyman, and said, "I will get over this bridge before I return to Boston." If I stay here till next autumn, Mr. Bernard replied, he prayed to heaven there might be no collision or words of a similar import. Then the colonel remarked, he should burst into the stores of William West and Evan Bickford and make barracks of them for his troops until he could obtain a passage. And returning to Captain Felt said, by God, I will not be defeated, to which Captain Felt replied, you must acknowledge you have already been baffled. In the course of the debate between Colonel Leslie and the inhabitants, the colonel remarked that he was upon the king's highway would not be prevented passage over the bridge. Old Mr. James Barr, an Englishman and a man of much nerve, then replied to him, it is not the king's highway. It is a road built by the owners of the lots on the other side and no king, country, or town has anything to do with it. <laughs> so you can understand the two, uh, two differences of thought here, right, uh, to, the, to the British soldiers and to the ar- army officers' minds there. They, they felt that, uh, and I'm sure to, uh, to King George, that everything in the Americas belonged to the king. Everything there, every road, every... Every building, every passage, everything belonged to the king. There was a highway there. It was the king's highway. Now, the idea of the colonists was, no, it's not. I I built this road with my own two hands. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me and the guy across the street who built it. All right? There's two different thoughts here. And and now they're going to have to figure out a way to make these the two thoughts uh, coincide. Uh, the colonel replied, there may be two words to that, and Mr. Barr rejoined, E God, I think that will be the best way for you to conclude the king has nothing to do with it. The colonel asked Captain Self if he had any authority to order the leaf of the draw to be lowered. Captain Self replied that there was no authority in the case, but there might be some influence. Colonel Leslie then promised if they would allow him to pass over the bridge. He would march but 50 rods and return immediately without troubling or disturbing anything. Captain Thaw was first unwilling to allow the troops to pass over any on any terms, but at length he consented and requested to have the leaf lowered. In this, he was joined by Mr. Barnard and Colonel Pickering, and the leaf was lowered down. The troops then passed over and marched the distance agreed upon without violating their pledge, then wheeled and marched back again and continued their march through North Street uh, back in the direction of Marblehead. A nurse named Sarah Chan, one of the houses near the termination of their route in Northfields, placed herself at the open window and called out to them, Go home and tell your master he's sent you on a fool's errand and he's broken the peace of our Sabbath. What? she said. Do you think we were born in the woods to be frightened by owls? One of the soldiers pointed his musket at her, and she exclaimed, Fire, if you have the courage, but I doubt it. 
So there you see. Like I said, it was it's almost like a Monty Python episode. The uh, they marched up to the bridge and said, uh, "We demand you let us pass." And the the inhabitants of Salem said, uh, "No, we're not going to do it." And uh, and obviously, if you're standing there with uh, 240 armed men, you, you could force the situation. <clears throat> what this what the letter this guy doesn't tell you though is that. And because he didn't know any of the rest of this, is that there were thousands of men uh, under arms marching as fast as they could to uh, to reinforce the inhabitants of Salem. So they heard this was going on. So they were they were rapidly on the way uh, to help their their fellow colonists, and uh, and they were arriving. Uh, every couple of minutes, another group would arrive. So pretty soon, what Colonel Leslie was facing wasn't just the unarmed inhabitants of the town of Salem. There were more and more armed men arriving every minute. You could see this. So it was turning in. It was it was turning from uh, a rapid dash into town, grabbing the the guns and powder from the colonists and and. Uh, and dashing back and taking them back to Boston to a situation that could very seri- very quickly have gotten uh, much more serious and gotten out of control. Now, most of the Army uh, was under orders from Gage not to do something that would cause a war. They were obviously forbidden to fire on the colonists, uh, except in cases of self-defense or uh, in some dire situation. <clears throat> They were not to molest the townspeople or destroy any property. Uh, Gage was pretty much a letter of the law man, and and that was not the way you did things. And it certainly wouldn't be the way you would have done things back in England. Uh, and that is one of the things that caused this this situation in Salem to to seem like a uh, like a parody because they were under orders not to to do any shooting or forcing or breaking of stuff. But that was the only way that they were going to get the colonists to do anything. So it kind of worked out. It worked out well for both. But, as I mentioned many times uh, on the program here, the whole thing with the powder alarms uh, did not work as it was intended to by by, uh, General Gage. It was intended to reinforce the dominance of England over the colonists. It was intended to put fear into the colonists. It was intended to take away their ability uh, to resist by removing from them the the very thing needed to fire their their weapons, which is powder. They could have all the guns they wanted. If somebody else held the powder, then the guns were basically useless. If, you, if there was nothing to fire from it, then, then you just got a bunch of guys with clubs, and they could have cut those from the forest anyway, so there. But that's not what happened. Instead, what it turned out to be was uh, a string of large-scale training operations for the colonists. Uh, And it worked out exactly in the way that uh, was worse for General Gage because what it did was it trained the colonists to respond uh, in a very rapid fashion to any threats against them. And uh, every time a uh, 
a powder alarm was sent out. The men armed themselves, and after they had done it uh, four or five times, by the time of the Lexington and Concord event, they were pretty good at it. And over the months, they had uh, set up uh, even logistical uh, machines to take care of them. They thought out what to do if, if, their men, if the men, if the uh, their militia units had to be to stay in the field overnight uh, or for a week or more, stuff like that. How would they go about feeding them? How would they get more supplies to them? Stuff like that. And uh, uh, and uh, and it actually trained them. All right. Uh, I told you guys earlier that we were going to have. Uh, uh, Daniel Plunkett, Law Dog, uh, give us a call and uh, and talk to us tonight about the upcoming uh, April 19, 1970-75 uh, events that are going to be held on the weekend of April 20th and 21st. And he has, in fact, shown up. So, Daniel, welcome to the show. Scout, thank you so much. I was listening in, and uh, as usual, a great job in riveting stories. I, I always appreciate what you have to say. Well, thank you, sir. Well, listen, you are ramrodding the upcoming events, and uh, and Daniel has a great deal of info that he. Well, I say he has a great deal. He may. He's a very efficient. Uh, he's a very efficient worker. He may have. He may have already fixed everything. But he's got a lot of information he needs to put out to you guys tonight, and we're going to have him back if we can every Thursday to give us a uh, uh, more of a rundown for the next two Thursdays until we get to the weekend. But Daniel, give us a uh, give us uh, a rundown on the things that you that you have planned, the things that you need from us, uh, and things like that. Wonderful, thank you. So we are now on. April 5th. That means our big weekend is just two weeks away. And we're already into what we're calling Patriots Month. This commemoration of Lexington and Concord and the decision that those brave men and the brave women who supported them uh, made in 1775 can't be contained to simply a Patriots Day. It's no longer good enough to just set aside April 19th. And it's no longer good enough to just set aside the weekend nearest April 19 to commemorate it. This entire month of April, we should all recognize as being Patriots Month. And RWVA will have 142 apple seed shooting events across the country this Patriots Month. 102 of those will take place on Patriots Weekend, April 20th, and 21st, just two weeks away, we'll have 102 events. Virtually every state across the country, um, north to south, east to west, if you want to go out and commemorate Isaac Davis and Mr. Harrington and Jonas, all of those brave men, you've got an opportunity to do that. And beyond the shooting events, Scout, we're really excited that this year we have an incredible emphasis on Liberty Seeds. 
You may have heard them called library seeds in the past, and I think some people mistook that for, you know, events that we did without the shooting and only in libraries. And Liberty Seeds are so much more than that. We can host Liberty Seeds, bridge clubs, PTA meetings, scout troops, churches, political meetings, anywhere you can get a gathering of people that want to hear about April 1775, we can come and do a Liberty Seed for them. We tell the history, the dangerous old men stories, the strikes of the match, and and have um, a benediction or reveille to tell those people how they can get involved and how they can help save this country. Well, that sounds great. What about... Uh... What about with the upcoming uh, events on the uh, – and 102 events nationwide is a lot of events. Uh, I don't know that uh, – I don't know anybody else – that there's ever been any other organization that has done anything like this uh, ever in, in uh, our nation's history. I don't think anybody else has – I, I know that there's stuff put on by the uh, Daughters of the American Revolutionary War and the Sons of the American Revolutionary War on this uh, that weekend. And there's some other different folks trying to do it, but nobody has ever done uh, anything like what we're doing, which is holding over 100 shooting events uh, the same weekend. And you know what's really exciting about that, Scout, is that at those shoots, we'll have the memorial volley that honors some of those men who were killed in action on April 19th. And we'll do this across the country all at the same time. So on the East Coast, it's at 4 o'clock. In the Central Time Zone, it's at 3 o'clock. Mountain is 2. And then out on the West Coast at 1 o'clock. So simultaneously, we'll all shoot the Memorial Volley on the afternoon of April 20th, Saturday afternoon. And by my count we could have more than 3,200 men and women, Americans, simultaneously through marksmanship honoring those who died for the cause of liberty in April April 19 of 1775. That's pretty exciting. Wow. Well, that's great. And, it's, uh, and for the folks that may not know how it's going to be run or how, it's going to be, how that is going to be done, Give a give everybody a uh, kind of an explanation of how we're going to do that for the events. Sure, and I will the, publish uh, the, this the out on the yeah the Memorial Valley. I will publish this out um, on the forum for all of the shoot bosses and instructors so that they can have it. They can print it out, and the way we do it is on a red coat target, and the shoot boss uh, or who's ever running the line will take you through the normal line commands, and then before each shot, we'll read out the name of one of the men who died that day. Oftentimes the shoot boss will add the town that they came from, and I'll make sure we have that information readily available to the shoot bosses, and their date of birth or their age, whatever data we have about them. And then... The entire group on the line will fire one shot. 
and you observe a moment of silence, and then the next name will be read, and all the way through. And in Louisiana last year, we added, and I don't think it was original to us. I'm sure we stole the idea from someone else, and and whoever is out there, call in and take credit for it because you you did an amazing thing. Is to tie the sacrifices of April of 1775 with the sacrifices that are still being made today for liberty. We went and looked up the name of the last person from our state, from the Bayou State, who had died in combat. And we read that name last. And it was a very powerful way to tie together all those generations across time from 1775 and the sacrifices they made to the sacrifices that are still being made. And I'll publish this out, but there's on militarytimes.com, there's a specific part of the website that shoot bosses can go to and look up by state the biography of the last uh, of the people who have died in combat recently from that state and we found the last one i think it was a man from leesville and we read his name out as well and and i got to tell you there wasn't a dry eye on the range as people realized um sons and daughters fathers and sons even today are dying for our freedom that's that's important and that's and that's powerful and it really tied together Isaac Davis and the modern soldier or Marine. Well, that sounds great. And I think that's a great idea, too, because here's the thing. Uh, we are still losing guys today. Tonight, we're still losing folks. And... And and whether I agree with uh, the reasons that this is happening or not, that nonetheless these folks still, just like I did, join the uh, the military to defend our nation. And I don't think that uh, I think it's a crime when uh, when everything shuts down and the flags go to half mast for Whitney Houston, and nobody hears about. Uh, uh, about uh, about the, the folks that we're losing overseas. Nobody hears the names of uh, the men and women who who are awarded the uh, Congressional Medal of Honor uh, by the military. I think it's a I think it's a sin actually, and uh, uh, I don't think it's any different for us to remember and honor those guys. Uh, from from our current time than it is to remember and honor the folks from April 1975. I think it's a great idea. You know, Scott, it, it, the parallels uh, to me are very obvious and striking. I have not a man who's afraid to go certainly described those brave men at the North Bridge. But you know, we haven't had the draft since you and I were kids, which means that everybody who serves in uniform today was not afraid to go. Just like the Mount right. well, Bridge, they I'll stepped you, forward. I'll tell you, yeah. 
the, well, here's the thing I'll tell you is that uh, they may be afraid to go, but they're going anyway. Uh, and I don't mean they're going because people are making them go. I mean they're going. They're they're plenty of folks are afraid to go, but that's not uh, the definition of courage. Isn't being unafraid in the face of uh, of danger. It's it's being afraid and doing it anyway. Well, then and, uh, you, you put a you put a finer point on it for for sure because I, I can't imagine um, the fear that must be in, in any rational person going into combat, um, and yet they go anyway, or particularly they go anyway, shows to me that that incredible bravery, um, and and they do it not because they're forced to go. But and they certainly don't do it for the pay um, or the prestige because this country, um, unfortunately, for from so many in this country, long ago, lost their respect for the armed for, for the service members and for our armed forces. Right. But instead, well, not, that's they nothing go new anyway. because yeah, that's nothing new because if you if you read about the about the uh, the guys who fought in the American Revolutionary War. Now, they just helped uh, secure the independence of this nation to, to to build a brand new country. And yet, at the end of the war, they they still had been paid. Many of them uh, had been paid for eight years. And at the end of the war, a great many of them couldn't make it back home because they didn't have any money. But what they'd have to do is have their mustard from their units they had to find somewhere to work. Some of them had to work for a year, two years, three years in order to get enough money to, just to get back home. And uh, and traditionally, we have, this nation has been rough on on its service members, which uh, seems strange, but it's true. And yet they continue to defend the nation. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's amazing. I'm not old enough to remember... Personally, the stories of of the disrespect that was shown to service members returning from Vietnam, but I certainly heard about it, um, you know, as a as a kid, and even as a child, I, I knew to be disgusted at those stories. And you know, I do see a change, and I think I wrote about this in either on the forum or in one of the um, instructor bulletins recently. I see a change, Scout. I really do. I have the opportunity to travel the country a bit, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen spontaneous displays of applause in an airport when service members come off an airplane, um, or to see in Dallas the group that is there every single time a soldier disembarks. Um, I've seen personally people who give up their seats in first class to somebody in uniform so that they can ride more comfortably or have an experience that they might not otherwise get to have. Is it universal? Right. No, certainly it isn't. Um, but I do see a change, and it gives me great hope that the next generation will disbelieve that anybody so disrespected those soldiers after Vietnam because it will be so far from their um, frame of reference that, that they well, I never, astonished. 
I never got uh, spit at by anybody at the airport, but uh, but I got uh, ganged up on uh, by the Hare Krishna dudes. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, <laughs> uh, they were they were very my, my smart about how they did it, man. They uh, they used uh, the, uh, the not the bald headed Harry Krishna folk. They used like uh, the special soldier recruitment teams they had of uh, Harry Krishnas with uh, like with long hair and stuff. Uh, well, uh, I think it is time for. Uh, I think it's. Uh, I think you guys got a great deal going, and I hope that the. The rest of the folks that are listening, I hope the rest of the, the rest, uh, and you, you said you're going to put this out of bulletin right on the forum? Absolutely. We'll we'll have all of the instructions for the Memorial Volley, the link to the Military Times website. Um, and shoot bosses this year for, for April 19, we've got a special target in the shoot boxes. It's a full-size uh, red coat silhouette. Um and, and in fact, it might even be oversized because I held it up, and, and it's bigger than I am. And you could put that out if you've got um, a KD range. Um, wonderful. Um, there's several in each box. Put those out at distance, and and maybe shoot the memorial volley at at that um, at that red coat silhouette. It's huge. Okay, you're talking about the red one, the red red coat silhouette. Yes, and it's a big okay, full yeah, size. I got, uh, I got my target. Uh, Yesterday, I think. No, it must have been last week because uh, uh, I remember looking at the 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 red silhouette. It doesn't have any lines or anything, no scoring lines or anything. It's just a the regular red silhouette. Is that the is that the kind of silhouette? I mean, not not the whole thing, but it's like that that section of it. Yeah, it's pretty close to being the the D target. The section's like taken out of a D target, and uh, uh, and that would be a good idea to have that uh, target posted up there and have everybody firing a volley into that. Yeah, I think I think that will add add something special to the to the volley. Um, and I mentioned thirty two hundred people potentially shooting this volley all together on that day. And to make that happen, we need to do a couple things. And I need uh, Appleseed Nation to, to step up and to do this. Number one, that assumes that our lines are full. That's how many we could accommodate is a little over 3,200. So if you're a, a shoot boss or an instructor or a, a blue hat uh, doing promotions, um, and your line isn't full yet, there's still time. With the ammunition shortage, we are certainly seeing that a lot of our sign-ups are coming in the last couple of weeks because people are waiting to see whether or not they can find a box of 22 ammo before right. they commit to signing up. So as people are finding it, there's still time to turn them on to coming out that weekend or any time this month and signing up so that we can get as close to or even over that 3,200 mark. The other thing that I need um, is somewhere about seven or eight more shoot bosses. And the reason that I don't have the exact number is they tell me that there's a range in Minnesota that still has five feet of snow on it, and they just don't think it'll be cleared in time for the shoot. So I don't need a shoot boss to work um, in the snowdrifts, but I do need them 
in other places. And if you don't mind, I'd like to go through that list. And if you're Do a green hat out there who who hasn't signed up yet, you're on the fence, you're not sure you can get a yard pass for that weekend, go and get your spouse and put them on the phone, and I'll convince them that we need you that weekend. So I need two in Arkansas, Bald Knob, Arkansas, and Centerton, Arkansas. I need one in Colorado, at Brighton, Colorado, where we've already got 13 shooters pre-registered. In Maine, up in Columbia, we've already got six pre-registered, and I don't have a shoot boss yet. In Texas, in Fredericksburg, eight shooters are looking for a shoot boss. In Pittsburgh, Kansas, we've got some pre-regs, and we need a shoot boss. Shenandoah, Iowa, and Waco, Georgia, has 15 shooters and no shoot boss yet. I don't want to be the one to tell those 15 Americans who are who need to hear about liberty, who are ready to be woken up. I don't want to be the one to tell them, go back this week. I don't have instructors to teach you. So if you've got the capability to step up and be a shoot boss that weekend, please go on the forum, send me a PM, go on the state coordinator board, the shoot boss board, and get signed up. And, and for state coordinators, if we need somebody to do this on a waiver, call me or PM me and let's look at how we can get this accomplished. We've got to make certain we've got people lined up, they're ready to go, Scout, and I don't want to be the one to turn them away. Okay. Uh, well, you guys heard this, and if you are able to to cover any of those events, then uh, then please do so. I mean, please take a look at uh, the events that you just mentioned and see if you can't get to that event. And uh, let's see. And that list is on the Shoot Bosses board. Uh, Hawkhaven has done a great job in the past week or so knocking that list down. I've got to tell you, it was pretty scary even um, the week before Easter. So I guess that was just last week. Um, we were hovering at about 20 shoot bosses, and the week before that we still needed 30-some. And that number has come way down through the great work of Hawkhaven um, to get people signed up. And I'm hoping that uh, you know you putting the word out for us tonight will take care of these last seven or eight spots. Right, right. Okay. Uh, and that list is on the shoot boss board. It is on the shoot boss board. It's also on the state coordinator board. Um, but it's it's Arkansas, Colorado, Maine, Texas, and I guess I have to say Fredericksburg, Texas, because that's like uh, uh, could be a thousand miles away from somebody in Texas, I suppose. So Fredericksburg, <laughs> Pittsburgh, Kansas, Shenandoah, Iowa, and Waco, Georgia. All right. And then, uh, okay, I got that. I was trying to uh, trying to do two things at once, trying to type and look up something and talk, and uh, I'm never <laughs> very good at that. Well, why okay, so if you guys have type. any, if you guys can uh, can cover any of those shoots, jump on there. Jump on there now because don't say, yeah, I'm going to do it, and then uh, and I'll get to it pretty soon. Jump on there now because 
it's cause it will cause us all anxiety if you don't. So go ahead and uh, get it covered as soon as possible. Okay. And you know, in addition to shoot bosses, um, we really need hats of all colors because um, there are some events that that are a little thin uh, that don't have much staffing. And I thought T Dog was going to join us here and put out a call for more blue hats. Uh, he's our, even at 10 years old, is our most senior blue hat in the state of Louisiana, and he wanted to make an appeal for um, more blue hats to sign Where up is because he? they, well, he's probably down baking cookies with his sisters, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'll see if I can roust him up here. But, you know, okay. blue hats can do such a great service to the program, helping with setup, administration, promotions, even telling history. Um, you know, when when I have a blue hat at an event, I just breathe a sigh of relief that I know that the weekend it, it, as a shoot boss is going to go so much easier um, because they can do a lot of things that just take so much pressure off of, of a shoot boss. Let me see okay. if I can. There he is. Hey, T-Dog, Scout's uh, looking for you. He's coming in. All right, I'm going to put him on. All right. Hi. Well, hello, my brother. How are you doing this evening? Great. How are you? I'm doing good. What are you up to? I heard that you might have been making some special cookies. Cookies? I told you maybe you were going to start making cookies with sisters. No, no, I've been reading. Oh, you've been reading. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, right. I don't know well, what I they're thought... doing right now. I thought you might have been making some cookies, and I was going to ask you to save me some because uh, because I like cookies. Yeah, I think my sisters are making them for for tea, and they don't want anyone to eat them. So, all right. Well, all right, tell me how's it, how it's going there in uh, in Louisiana, and how it's going with your with you being uh, your. Uh, with your dad's assistant, uh, as far as lining up the the April nineteenth event. Well, um, it's going well in Louisiana. We're getting more and more people to coming to shoots, and new people, not just old people, that have been to more. And I'm not really sure about the April nineteenth shoots. I haven't been. Um, I haven't been helping at those too much. Um, I've more been going to apple seeds a lot around Louisiana, mostly in um, Biloxi. Yeah, Biloxi and yeah. Oh, sorry. We we consider Mississippi part of Louisiana. We we kind of adopted it. Right. So, right. I know that you guys have been working across the border there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen. I'm going to bring. Uh, I'm going to bring another person onto the phone lines with us, okay? Okay. All right. I've got uh, I've got uh, Hawkhaven uh, holding here, and I want to bring him on so that he can also add to this conversation about uh, the April nineteenth, seventeen seventy-five upcoming events. Uh, Hawkhaven, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Scott. Great to be on again. Well, thank you, sir. Well, we have you been listening, and we've got uh, uh, Law Dog and and T Dog, right? That's right. That's what it sounds like. 
Okay, we got them on already. And uh, I'll even give us uh, or let us know what uh, what we can do to help out with the upcoming events, with the upcoming April weekend of April 20th, 21st events. Yeah, we're down to nine shoots needing shoot bosses. Uh, Waco's covered and Brighton, Colorado's covered, so uh, they're they're dwindling quick. So if you need to grab a shoot, now's the time to do it. Uh, I just updated them about an hour ago on the shoot boss board, so uh, they're they're getting slim, uh, but uh, there's still some shoots out there. There's about uh, 50 shooters need a shoot boss, so uh, now's the time to sign up. I'm trying to log into the to uh, the uh, blog talk, but it won't let me in tonight, so I can't get in the post here. But so I thought I'd call in. Okay, Hawk Haven, this is this is Law Dog. Thank yeah. you for that update on uh, Brighton and Waco. When I had checked this afternoon, they they were still needed, and uh, I'm telling Scott, I didn't want to be the one to turn those shooters away. Yeah, cause there's some good sized shoots there that we were going to take care of. I know Nitro 45 is taking care of. Uh, Brighton and Waco is Morpheus, I think. Good. Saw. So. Okay. They're getting now little down. I see that. Uh, 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 let's see. The old guy. The old guy is in Maine. He just came on. He just said he could do Columbia, Columbia. in a pinch if needed. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I feel. Old guy, I feel pinched. Scout, let's sign him up. <laughs> okay. All right. The old, old guy, if you're listening, you just heard that. And uh, he said he can take, he can bring his wife uh, to give him a hand with the first strike. And uh, and uh, I guess you just heard it from them. They said they're feeling the pinch. So if you want to, you can go ahead and get a dash on over and get uh, signed up for the Columbia shoot, and then that one will be done. And I know that the Fredericksburg one is covered, so I don't know why that is why that's open. Maybe they just didn't go in. Maybe they just didn't put it in. Who's covering? Oh, sign up. Right. Who's, who's covering Fredericksburg? Uh, that should be. Uh, uh, hold on, I'll think of a name. Okay. Uh, drag it. Drag it. Okay. Right. That's great. That list is uh, dwindling quickly. Yes. And then, if anybody else, uh, if anybody else is listening, uh, if you can, uh, where would they go? They can go to the uh, the shoot boss board and plug themselves in there on the post uh, that you have there on the shoot boss board for the shoot bosses that are needed. And then uh, sign up yourself in there, and, right? And then, and then leave a note on the uh, on the thread that you started there, so that uh, so that. Well, I guess the tip thing shows it uh, as soon as they sign up, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. All right, well, then there you go. Uh, and is there anything else that uh, that is needed by the uh, by the April 
2021 weekend cruise. I mean, uh, by the organization for the cruise. We need, we need everybody on the line and bring a, a friend or four or five out to put them on the line. Okay. And let's get that memorial volley up over over the 3200. That would be um, that would be incredible. Yeah, that would because that. Uh, let's see, that would be uh, that would be close to the well. That would be 32,000 rounds fired uh, in just a few seconds across the United States. And if anybody knows of any uh of any ammunition, you know, of any uh, anywhere to get twenty two, make sure that you're spreading it around to your apple seed uh uh your apple seed buddies, your apple seed shoot bosses and stuff so that uh they can have some on hand because uh I've had several requests, uh folks that want to come. They say, Well we want to come but we don't have any ammunition and we've been able to cover quite a few of them. So if you have some, or if you want to donate a uh, a 550 pack to uh, one of the, your uh, your events coming up on April 19th, I'm sure that they would be glad to have it, so that they can uh, they can get somebody else on the line. You know, if you can get if you can uh, either forward the information of where people can get ammunition, or if you just want to toss in a uh, 550 pack that you bought. Uh, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, as part of your stash for twenty bucks, and you want to donate that uh, for somebody else to get online. I'm sure that would be great too. Scout, I'll tell you, um, CMP, uh, even when it was saying uh, several months ago that the backlog would be six months before they shipped, I got a shipment um, in February when they said it wasn't going to come until April, and so. Folks who are discouraged by the uh, warnings that it's going to take a long time might want to go ahead and get in line anyway because uh, I think CMP is pretty cautious and uh, is listing out lag times that are even greater than what may happen. So it's worth going ahead and putting that order in so that you're not caught short later this year. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Well, anything else you guys want to uh, to put out? And remember that uh, we got two more radio shows before the event. So, if you guys can make sure that you can make some time for each of the uh, for each of the next two radio shows, and that would be great too, so that you can give folks updates on how things are going. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Well, Scout, you, uh, I, I appreciate the invitation to come on tonight. It was very helpful, and and old guy. Um, I'll put in a request to double your pay for the shoot boss spot for Columbia. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> okay. Uh let me see what he is he's if he has said anything about that. No, he hasn't. Oh no. He says uh he says that uh he was he has signed up but would need a waiver. Uh okay, I'm sure that we'll be able I'm sure that we'll uh we'll work that out for you. Uh he wanted to know who is on with me right now. It's uh Law Dog who is shoe bossing the events, uh, the April nineteenth weekend events and then uh Hawk event. Uh, they're both on the on with me now. 
So thank you, uh, old guy, for for getting that taken care of. And uh, uh, Law Dog and uh, Hawkhaven, thank you guys for the work that you're doing. And uh, and then we will see you guys back on the show this next Thursday, okay? Oh, pencil in right now. All right, got anything else you want to put out before you go? No. All right, take care. God bless you guys, and we'll we'll see you this next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Good night. Hey, tell T-Dog I said thanks. Okay. Well, you guys heard it. Uh, the, the main thing that they need is uh, for the last uh, couple of shoots to be covered, and then that will help uh, ease anxiety of uh, of everyone. Make sure that we've got all of these shoots covered, because the last thing we want to do is have uh, folks signed up for an event and have them ready to go to an event and not have anyone to instruct them. And uh, it's just, just, just something we don't do, okay? So make sure that... Uh, Make sure that you're taking a look at the instructor schedule and you're signing up and uh, and plugging yourself anywhere you need. If you can't shoot Boston event, uh, then you can certainly attend one. If you can't attend one, you can certainly put the word about it. About it. All right? Uh, I want to uh, thank everybody for listening tonight, for tuning in. I want to tell you guys uh, we're going to be talking uh, this next week with, uh, with some of the folks from the... Battle Road USA uh, Precision Rifle course that was just taught by uh, Sergeant John Hawks, which you guys know as Bolt Gun 71. Uh, so I'd like for you guys to tune in uh, next week. And uh, this, everybody's on the road going home from it right now. We would have had them on tonight. Uh, remember to uh, check your schedules. Get plugged in where you can. And... Uh, and we will be seeing you guys this next week, 7 p.m. Central. Uh, God bless and thank you all. Good night,
Take a spot. 